The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! right over there here i am (laughs) (laughs) Ah, who the hell are you you're not who i was expecting at all ah they don't expect a specter but i'm not that either i'm the question asker there's really no Uh, bit here there's uh, not much (laughs) you stumbled upon me and now you're going to answer my questions look i was on the trail of a real hardcore villain. We're talking, you know, murder of children. Oh, We're talking grand larceny. My and God. I followed this. I followed this trail of what appeared to be blood and the money and the weapons leads directly under this bridge where I found you here. But may I may I question you this? <laughs> oh my God! So wait, wait, wait. So you. Are a you ask questions? Yes. See, <laughs> I'm also bilingual. You didn't ask, <laughs> but I am. So you ask questions and then get answers, or they're tricky questions. They're or not trick tricky questions? in the slightest. What's two plus two? Like it's four. Is You're correct. The... Good on ya. So you just <laughs> all right. So you're just lobbing. <laughs> You're just lobbing softballs, huh? No, questions mostly. The softball match, that's down the road. Well, I, I'm sorry. You, you, you really don't fit the description of the guy I was looking for. I'm looking for a burly fella about 7'5". Yeah, that's me. Uh, very, tall, very tall, covered in blood, head to toe. I am, of course, you'll recognize me for the television, The Apprehendor. Uh-huh. And I am tracking down this villain here, but I just... What's four plus six? Asking for a friend. <laughs> I think it's ten, question man, or whatever. Oh, boy, you're right. This is good. This is good stuff. Uh, well, honestly, you're not what I was expecting, but I, I guess... Uh, Who are you? Are you looking for Destructor? He's the one you're. Yeah, he's the the one one you're looking for. I'm just here, sitting under this 
this uh, this bridge that I live. It's great. Do you live under the bridge? I do. It's wonderful. It's it's damp. I love that. I'm in kind of a hurry. Don't I? Don't leave me. <laughs> Just answer me this one question. Okay. Why did she leave? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. It's not important. What's two plus two plus a broken heart? <laughs> I assume you mean the lady who's been murdered. One of several on the trail of this villain I've been tracking down. I'm going to have to take you in. I, And you'll have to forgive me for some questioning. That's a you'll lot of bit we did there. You'll make something out of that, I'm sure. Oh, some money at least. Well, Paul, that was something... <sighs> That welcome was a to way the, to start. Welcome to the Third Men Podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast filled with questions and answers. And uh, I'm your co-host James Kaminsky. I'm your co-host Paul Kaminsky. And it doesn't usually take us 13 whole American minutes to get through a bit. Yeah, normally it takes us 13 British thermal minutes. <laughs> Well, as James mentioned, this is a Jack White history podcast, I think, uh, where we uh, talk about Jack White movies, music, and TV, and album analysis, and we do interviews on here. But then sometimes we do just little fun ones. They're just for us. Just little fun ones. We're just goofing. Just George geefing around. We're fi- that's George- that's Goofy's real name, if you didn't know. Anyway, yeah, we, uh, we you know, we, we occasionally would go for bands and albums and movies and TV that, uh, that's all relating to Third Man Records or Jack White. But today, today we're doing something a little different in which we're just having a little discussion-based thing where we're going to be kind of scouring the internet for some delightful questions that we found on websites such as, but not limited to, Quora and Yahoo Answers and some folks out there just on other forums. And, and so we're, we're just going to we're gonna see if we can answer some of these questions, talk about some of these questions. I mean, the internet is asking, Paul, and it's up to us to figure it out. Yeah, so this is this episode's going to put us to the test because we've done listener question episodes before, but this one we're going to find some oddball questions out there. All right, we're going to find some questions of people who are calling out on the internet in need of help about Jack White and Third Band related acts, mm-hmm. and we're going to see if we can answer those just based on the knowledge that we've accrued throughout this podcast since it began. So, James, you and I started fairly knowledgeable on this show about Jack White Third Man related stuff, but now that we've done a hundred and I think this is the hundred and tenth episode, you know, we've really kind of run a pretty wide gamut here, and I feel like we're fairly equipped to talk about most things. So, this is going to be kind of a test for us. We're gonna we're gonna be challenging ourselves. We're gonna be finding. Some weird questions online, see if we can answer them, and we're going to get into some discussion. We're going to kind of keep this one a little loosey-goosey, but I'm looking forward to this, James. We, you know, we've never done anything like this before on the show. No, I mean, we've done question-based things, and we did a trivia section and a trivia game, but we've never, we've never found just strangers' questions and tried to enlighten them. I'm assuming some of the oddball questions are going to be really off the wall, like how many Brendan Bensons does it take to be a counterweight for your average trebuchet? Yeah. You know, I just saw on the internet today he was smoking uh, an apple bong. smoking a lot of weed, it seems, on this tour. Uh, he's pe- taking We're pictures. We're getting a lot of, of pictures. He's taking a lot of pictures <laughs> yeah. of weed. Ch- chase your bliss. It's legal in a lot of places now, Brendan, so you do you. <laughs> 
California, it is legal. This one's going to be weird, James, I'm, but I'm ready to get weird, you I, know? I don't know if I'm ready to get weird, but the question asker is, he's, he's over here getting weird. <laughs> it's a weird character. It's a very weird character. What's Jack White's shoe size, I ask? You know what's fun? Well, I don't know that. I don't Do you, either, you know, but it's a question. You know what's funny is when I was editing the genie from last episode, I was faced with the challenge, the, the more effects I put on this voice, the more unintelligible it is. And yet, how far can I push those effects before it becomes completely unintelligible? And do I care? The answer to both those questions was a lot and no. <laughs> so this is going to be a fun one, and we're looking forward to batting this around. We're looking forward to getting a little weird in here, getting a little wacky. But before we get to all of that, James. Is there something we should be smelling? No. Oh. There's something but we should stop doing? No. Is there uh, something you fell in love with? Ah, that's the one, James. It's fell in love with the show. Oh, it's fell in love with the show. So we'll keep this one brief. Fell in love with the shows when we go out in the world. We watch Jack White X and Third Man related stuff, and we come back here and tell you about it. And you know, this one isn't quite a Third Man act, but it is connected, of course, to the Third Man universe. James, I recently saw well last week friends of the show Radkey perform Ooh. out here in sunny, a fire, a blaze, Los Angeles. I saw some of the pictures, Paul. Yes. They looked like they put on a hell of a show. How was Radkey? Oh, they were lovely. I saw them at a place called The Satellite. Uh, for those of you not in the know, Radkey is a band that had opened for Jack White during his solo tour in the Boarding House Reach era. We were able to interview them, or Isaiah Radkey specifically, from the band in a previous episode this season. And yeah, they're, they're great. Indeed they are, James. They had two separate opening acts, which was wild. Don't ask me to tell you what they were. I don't remember. But the first one was a pretty straightforward rock and roll band. They sounded great. You know, Guy to Kill came down and did a thrash metal version of Loser by Beck in the crowd. A guy bald head, kilt, black t-shirt, and just thrashing all around. Anyway... That was really great. And then there was a second act with a guy in drag, but also in full Joker face paint, who did kind of like a Jim Morrison style cabaret rock and roll performance where he just sort of slinked around and he was noticeably blacked out drunk. People from the uh, crowd kept getting up onto the stage and singing with him. It was a strange affair. And uh, he kept wanting to come down into the crowd and dance with people. But their music was fine you know it was fine okay so anyway those two bands were interesting and then radke came on and james i hadn't actually seen radke perform with jack white on the boarding house reach tour although i got quite familiarized with their music when we interviewed isaiah on the show and when i saw that they were going to be playing out here in los angeles i contacted their manager matt and i believe also their dad or dad key matt about that's not my joke but i found it somewhere i don't remember where it's been attributed I have, I have taken it. It is mine now. I have put it on the air. <laughs> and uh, we wound up being able to get together, not only me going to see the show, but also a, a tour of where I work afterwards with the band. And so the show itself was amazing. They put on a really high-energy show. I mean, it was a long set. You know, they must have... They played for over an hour, it seemed. And the very minimal break between songs... Isaiah's jumping around and leaping and 
contorting and stuff the whole time. And D, similar, you know, when you see him, sometimes he looks a little like he doesn't seem to like move much, especially when he's singing. But boy, he has perfected the art of the like wild guitar solo because he's going crazy. He's dipping down. He's sliding on his knees. He's jumping up into the air to the same as Isaiah. And uh, of course, you have Solomon holding it down there on the drums and, you know, being that rock that the that the two, you know, that the two guys out front need, you know, mm-hmm. kind of hold the thing. And uh, boy, it was really high energy. James, are you familiar at all with their uh, seeing any live performances of theirs or mainly just the music videos? Mainly the music videos. And I've seen clips online of them. I know they occasionally do live streams on Facebook. Uh, I've seen them, but never I've never really experienced their moves live. I've seen pictures. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw uh, some of the videos you posted, which were nuts. They go nuts up there. I know, yeah, it was really interesting. Dark Black Makeup is my favorite track of theirs. play that one toward the end of the set so the thing really does crescendo up into dark black makeup and then they they finish with another song and then it's so funny they did like a they did like an encore style thing where they go and they sort of like ducked behind the amps and they were all like shouting for more and then they came out from behind the amps and they did some more and anyway they they actually closed the show with the teen titans go theme song which was amazing and uh i didn't realize what was happening until they actually started playing it and i was very delighted yeah it was great i I talked to solomon a little bit before the show i said hi to isaiah and d a little bit after and then the next morning we hung out a little bit and we got lunch and chatted for a while and they they were giving me some updates on the tour and boy that's one nice family james they're they're real nice family they they seemed like it when we talked to isaiah really into the family band concept really happy they're pursuing that they seem like genuinely excited musicians love me some radkey yeah they talked we talked a lot of comics and we talked a lot of star wars mm-hmm. and there are some radical opinions in there but i found that isaiah and my opinions on star wars are pretty consistent it was funny because you never quite know what to expect from rock stars and then i was having a conversation with isaiah like i'd have with you about I don't know, Palpatine or some like that. Yes. It was actually really nice. Yes. (laughs) You ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Really good. I had a really good time. So thank you to the band for letting me hang out, checking out the show, and getting lunch with me. That was lovely. It's a shame we walked out of the restaurant to discover that while we were in the restaurant, a wildfire broke out in Burbank within a mile of the Warner Brothers lot. And we had just been talking about the wildfires at lunch. We walked outside, we looked up, and there was a gigantic plume of smoke. And we're like, oh, it's California. Anyway, the fire's out, and no one was... Well, I mean, I wasn't hurt, and neither was the band. So, you know, there's that. Los Angeles is on fire, and that's sad, but Brad Key was awesome. It was a good time. It was a great show. And that's been a fell in love with the show. It's been a fell in love with the show. 
right, James, should we begin our great hunt for the weird Jack White questions on the internet? Should we dare to slink into the depths of the world wide web? Well, I've already put on my Craven the Hunter outfit, and I'm off on safari hunting the best questions, Paul. Let's do this. Let's kick it out with a softball. I want answers.com. Some of these are some trivial questions, such as, where was Jack White born, Paul? I think we both know the answer to that. It would be Detroit, Michigan. Well, you know, that could have gone different ways, because I don't know if I know exactly, like, what town, you know? I mean, I could look it up. <laughs> I won't. Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, softball question. Let's go to Hora, which is uh-huh. a, a question uh, or an answer giving site. Which band is better, the Black Keys or the White Stripes? <laughs> well, I mean, whoever's putting that out on the internet, I guess, has to make up their own mind now, don't they? Uh, although, I would say, if we're talking longevity, overall quality, songwriting, and general originality, I mean, it's it's kind of hard for the black keys to touch jack in that way right like it's, not that this not that we're sitting here talking about this on a jack white podcast or you know but black keys is so it can it's it's rock and roll which is fun but it's it's been sounding quite generic at least lately maybe toward the beginning it sounded a little more had some tooth to it but yeah uh, all right i agree with that but let's let's look at this on a on an award scale specifically we'll go with grammys the black keys have won four Grammys. The Black Keys, specifically, have won four Grammys. Well, Jack's won, what, 19? But we're not talking about Jack now. We're talking about the White Stripes. (laughs) And the White Stripes have also won four Grammys, Paul. They are tied for Grammy wins. Oh, goodness. Now, if you want to talk nominations, (laughs) the Black Keys have them beat. Really? Yeah, the, the Black Keys, according to my cursory Google search, have... 11 nominations total with four wins, and the White Stripes have eight nominations total with four wins. Of course, they've been together like twice as long as the White Stripes, so yeah, they're going to have that. Although all of these nominations take place uh, in a four-year period, Hmm. 2011, 2012, 2013, and 2015, respectively. A lot of nominations there, Paul. Establishment rock. Mm. You know, it's funny. I liked them. I think our friend Mike gave me some Black Keys in college. I think I had them. In fact, I think I had them on my old Winamp player in the days before iTunes. Do you remember Winamp players? I barely. Uh, <laughs> it was like a little weird green box. To put my best friends in. Where you'd keep your music songs. I take them out and that you would find on the Kazaa or whatever, the LimeWire. And put them back again. And it was like iTunes, but it's proto-iTunes, or came out concurrent to iTunes. And I had some stuff, I want to say from like 2004, window, 4 or 5, something like that. And I remember it being very bare, and I liked it at the time. It was very Mike Rock, you know, kind of middle of the road, destined to be on a classic rock station eventually, kind of rock and roll music. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. You know, nothing's anything wrong with that. Inoffensive, safe, 
been not been challenging. Done. Yeah, been done stuff. But I would say their songwriting got better. Like there's that that out. You know, Brothers is I would are, you know there's some really genuinely good songs on there and catchy songs. So. You know, I think there's value in the Black Keys while we're on the subject. You know, I'm not just, I don't just want to be just completely dismissive of them, no. but. And this isn't us I, just all over the Black Keys. I'm, I'm we're genuinely <laughs> just finding an, a question and answering it to the best no, of our ability. No, this is good. Yeah. And for anyone wondering exactly what the hell this episode was, this is it. This, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> have you heard Let's Rock? Have you listened to that? I haven't. No, I have not. Uh, there's I have, actually you know. I haven't listened to a lot of Black Keys, so to me this question is just straight up White Stripes are better. But I also well, better is also subjective, yeah. right? It's a very subjective answer, and I've also heard more of the White Stripes than I would have heard of Black Keys. I think the White Stripes, pound for pound, have had more hits than the Keys. I guess, but not really, because. Icky Thump, Seven Nation Army, Fell in Love with a Girl, those three. Blue Orchid, I would say, was a hit. Blue Orchid, My Doorbell. And some of the most recorded hits of that era, you know, My Doorbell was recorded many times, Seven Nation Army was recorded many times. Yeah, Denial Twists, Yorba, not really a hit, though. Dead Leaves, Dead Leaves, I guess. Dead Leaves was a hit, yes. Dead Leaves, it sounds like the Black like the Black Keys to me sounds like they took Dead Leaves and made a band out of it. Okay. And like as much as I like Dead Leaves, it is kind of not derivative, but Mike Rock. It's I don't know how else to explain it than Mike Rock. It's just a, a fairly standard chord progression. But the thing that sets it apart from that other stuff is Jack's lyric and how he crafts interesting stuff around that expected through line. And then of course I get much more interested when the through line disappears and he just starts going crazy mm. doing weird stuff that winds up being, you know, cutting edge. That's the kind of stuff I get into. Yeah, it really it, it depends on on how you're arbitrarily creating the, the, the box of which one is better. And so if you're going by statistics, I think it I think either way, whether you go by statistics or by some other kind of arbitrary thing that white stripes usually stack up. I would say objectively, there's a lot more data to say that the white stripes have had more of a an impact on society, a more of a lasting impression upon the yeah. musical landscape than the keys. Not to say that the keys don't deserve any credit; they've also had a, had an impact. But I would say that the stripes were were more on the innovative side. I don't want to say it's been done. Because they came, it was like similarly timed, and they had similar styles of music, and they were similar two piece. Obviously, it's and we know yeah. we know how Jack felt about that. You know, Jack, from what we understand, felt as though maybe perhaps at the time they were following in his footsteps, mm-hmm. perhaps the the Rolling Stones to his Beatles, right? Trying to do something ultimately different than what he's doing, but following a, a similar template and. You know, we're not going to get into any of the drama between those two because, well, that's silly. And I feel like you have to sort of be there to understand the nuance of it anyway. But I don't know, just as a listener, I'd stack any White Stripes hit next to Gold on the Ceiling, even though I love Gold on the Ceiling. And, you know, the White Stripes song just usually has more for me there. Eh, I don't know, there's something to be said for the band staying together and continuing to do it. Although I did have a boss one time tell me that the true test of your ability in a job is not the progress that happens while you're in the office, but it's how the progress continues to happen while you're away. Mm -hmm. And with the White Stripes gone, I feel like they continued to have more of an impact on music in their absence even 
then the Black Keys do Staying Together. And you could say the same thing about, you know, Beatles or any number of these bands that broke up a long time ago and don't exist anymore. So, eh. Yeah, I just think Black Keys is kind of just expected. It sounds a little plain. Sure. I, I'm in agreement with you, Paul. As as I think, I think most people listening to this podcast would know that we'd well, probably yeah. be in agreement and we'd probably choose this one. But I think if you want to go by one data point to answer the question completely, uh, you can go by how many video music awards they've won. The Black Keys have won one video music award for Tighten Up for Breakthrough Video. And the White Stripes have won five Video Music Awards from MTV. So I'm going to call it the White Stripes. More Video Music Awards means they're a better band. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, James, I've got one for you. All right. I've actually got one to do it to do this weird thing we're doing yeah. next. Let's do it. This comes from this comes from Facebook from the Jack White fan club on Facebook. The question is, do we know anything about Jack's dad? <laughs> do we really know anything about Jack's dad? I just That comes from Lauren Colburn. Yeah. Well, the answer is yes. Gorman. <laughs> yeah, he was he worked for the church. Gorman he Gillis. A, he was a, an usher, I believe, and I think I think that's all we really need to know. I don't think I think our our dad has instilled something in, at least in me, of like, we like Jack White and his bands and those musicians. And then there comes a point when we're talking about family where I think I drop off in in interest because it's just not my business to know. And I'm like, I'm, I'm interested a little bit, but like, I don't. We don't talk about Jack's kids because I don't think that's yeah kind of relevant at all. I don't think they deserve to be lumped in with him just because he's famous you know they they deserve some privacy and and i think his his dad and his mom to an extent are, are in a similar situation we're interested in the history of it mind you yeah you know we we have talked about his his dad and his mom in the past mostly because you know their jobs and other th- things have helped in jack's upbringing to get him to the point where he's at now yeah and also and his mother is obviously involved with with him throughout his career you know goes up on stage uh, occasionally and and does interviews occasionally and is there at third man a lot and talks to people. So I, it's, it's a little different with parents, but yeah, I think there's, I think we know as much as we need to know. Yeah. I mean, Teresa, his mom, right? Teresa Gillis. I think so. Has much more of a public presence these days, as you said, from going up and dancing with Jack on stage. And she introduced the Rack and Tours at the 10 year celebration. So yeah, she's, She's been out there maybe a little bit more. Now, Gorman, I think the only time we really talked about him on the show was when it pertained to, was it St. Andrew, The Battles in the Air? Yeah, I believe so. From Mickey Thump, which was written, I think, in connection in some way to his death, Gorman's yeah. death, around the recording of Mickey Thump or in the run-up to the recording of Mickey Thump. So we're talking sort of, I think, late 2006 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, I don't think we've actually talked about him much, aside from his dealings with the church and the Masonic Temple. I mean, I barely know anything about to begin with, which I think they want it to be that way. Yeah, it, yeah. But it's fine. It's fine. So that's, that's what we know about Jack's dad. Yeah, and you know what? Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what, what do we got next, James? Let's see. Let's move on to Yahoo Answers. What do they got for us over there? Do you want to see it all? Well, you can just open your eyes. 
Question about Jack White. This comes from Regan. Regan. I love the White Stripes. I've mm. read the bo- I've read their book. Oh. Okay. okay. I don't know which book you're referring to. They've never written one, but <laughs> that's okay. Uh, maybe you read a- another book. Yeah. Anyway, I'll continue the question. I've read their book, watched their rockumentaries, hmm. and heard just about all their songs, but I've noticed that when they play live, Jack's voice gets really pitchy and staccato-like. <laughs> But in their studio version, it's solid and smooth. I'm just wondering if anyone else has noticed this, and if so, why do you think this is? I mean, I would say some of that staccato stuff is in the studio, too, but I think that's just the excitement of the show. He puts on such a rigorous live performance, and it's so long, usually, that, you know, the spirit kind of moves him in the direction it's going to move him, and he's kind of going a mile a minute, and so he's not really thinking about the quality of the voice so much as the energy that it is emitting, I think. You're going to the same place I was going to, which is, I don't think that it's about the singing for the songs. I think it's about the sound, the soul that's going into the music. He's trying to get this music to hit an emotional note and a, yeah. and, a, and a note in the music that's that yeah. fits rather than you know pitch perfect notes you know i think he knows he's never gonna hit comalina level of perfect pitch, pitch yeah. of perfect pitch yeah he's he's gonna sing the best he can regardless of the uh, technical ability of his yeah. voice and he's, he's, he's a vocalist yeah uh, he's a he's a vocalist i wouldn't call him a singer i would yeah. call him a vocalist and i've quote he said jack white sounds like a rock and roll ethel merman i think that's kind of what you're referring to <laughs> this person is referring to here it was a mix of like uh, robert smith and ethel merman or something you know he uh, he would screech and, and he uh was doing stuff that i think most people would be totally scared to do you know like uh you know crazy falsettos and vibrato which is that and you know it works for what they're trying to do he's following more the blues tradition of storytelling and energy and reality as opposed to what he's doing in the studio now in the studio obviously he's doing the same thing but in less of an off-the-cuff kind of way and we do know that he does you know take quite a bit of time to get things right and make sure they're right and he's a producer these days especially but even back then in the stripes era so he's got an ear for trying to get it right And as Fats Kaplan mentioned when we talked to Fats, he said that even in the studio when you're not sure why Jack is asking for a certain thing, you listen to it back all together again and, you know, patch together whatever, and it's perfect. It's exactly what it needed to be. So he's got an intuitive sense for that sort of stuff. And I think a lot of it comes from the performance aspect as opposed to the recording aspect. He's performing live and trying to get you engaged in the show that he's he's putting on so if he gets all if he if he manipulates his voice it could have draw the crowd in a little closer to hear he's he's trying to get the crowd to have an emotional response to his voice as well and then on top of that he's bouncing around like crazy because of his his love of challenge he's going from instrument to instrument and kind of running out of breath so you can even hear in a lot of his live takes where he's running out of breath, not saying like every other word because he from his mouth wiggled out a little audible sound. <laughs> exactly. I think I think that that has a lot to do with it. He's a performer. He's he's trying to make you feel. 
And so if he gets a little high pitched, you know, that's just how he's feeling. I, I find it interesting that this person says staccato because Jack does abbreviate certain things in live songs and he does fall back on those abbreviations. Like sometimes he just won't say stuff or will say it differently. You know, like fell in love with a girl when he plays that live. He, re- he very rarely says because my heart's still beating. He says, must be fine. My heart's still beating. Kiss me by the, you know, he chops mm. off words and it's more, it just sounds like he's out of breath, but they become shortcuts to the point of like, I don't know if he actually remembers the full lyric anymore. It's not a bad thing, I guess. Well, that's an interesting question you found there, James. I've got one for you. Okay. Hit me. This one comes from Reddit. Ooh. You Neon Tie asks... Anyone know what kind of necklace Jack is wearing here? Looks like some sort of squashed penny. And that is, of course, the necklace that he wears throughout most of the early years of the White Stripes. And I don't know if I've ever... I feel like somebody has told us what that necklace is. I don't know if I ever knew the answer to that. But it's a nice necklace. Now, did somebody answer that question? Because I feel like somebody did. did. They did. Do you want to hear? I do. I do want to hear. So cuts like a buffalo three 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 replies with I know what it is because I'm a car and Jack White nerd. I too used to think it was a German dog tag. It's actually a serial number plate and or property tag from early Ford. Looking for rusty gold. Ah. It went along with the theme of having hose clamps on his fingers and wrists in earlier photos and stuff. But apparently it was often thought to be a German dog tag. But it is not, I guess, according to this person, which I tend to believe, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Actually. Well, that's not the first I've, I'd heard of that. I had heard that before, and I didn't know if it was true or not. So I'm, There's I'm, an image. I just found an image of what the property tag looks like. And it, it does, yeah, no, it does look it. an awful lot like it. We'll provide a link of that on our yeah. social media. But So when, when this, this leads me to a question of my own, which is when did Jack stop doing that automotive I know. fetish jewelry and start just leaning into other aspects of his personality because, like, I don't, I don't remember any of that in Icky Thump or Get Behind Me Satan era at, at all. C- really. Certainly not that far. I think you know it's funny with Jack seeing him as a younger man. It sometimes it does make me embarrassed, but it also is like we all had those things in college and high school that we wore. Like, was this his puka shell necklace? Was this what? <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is things that set us apart. No, this is, this is who I am. It's this thing. And Jack is obviously, yeah, it's, it's something you claim as, as like what makes your personality. They're glomming onto a thing that, that kind of resonates with it. Yeah. And Jack's no stranger to image. It is curious though, that he, has that i guess it was just to represent detroit or something at that time he has it on as late as the cover of blood cells which i didn't actually even realize i when i think of that necklace i think of it more in the 2000 or the 1999 2000 maybe 98 era that early iteration of the band before they get famous and i guess you know white blood cells happens right before they get famous anyway but yeah he does have it as late as 2001 and i don't actually know if he wears it beyond that but I don't know. I think the band just kind of shed that as an as a part of their image. Or maybe they were making room for just the core regiments of the band, the black, red, and white, and the two-piece. And they were refining the image. You know, there wasn't room for Jack's weird automotive 
designs. Because that's we also see the the drop off of weird Jack White inventions. You know the peppermint inventions. You know his triple tremolo. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't make as as often an appearance, and he's. I don't know. Yeah, it's just an affect, an early affectation. Affectation. That's the word. Yeah. He, of, he also really is like loves Tesla, and that that continued on too. And he takes some of these things and gloms onto them. And, and yeah, and and it's fine. And actually, you know, like it it would be the equivalent of me wearing like Jay and Silent Bob shirts or something. I don't know, or having that New Jersey thing, like New Jersey only the strong survive T shirt or whatever. Like, it's would I wear that now? No. It seems kind of juvenile a little bit, but I think what sets Jack apart is that he actually had some substance behind there. You know, it was kind of an interesting little political statement you wouldn't have seen out of maybe, say, the Black Keys at the time. Right. It wasn't a wine o'clock t-shirt uh, <laughs> or a Coney 2012 t-shirt. It was like, look at what the auto industry has done to my beautiful town. And you know what? I respect that. And he, of course, he would be the one to come up with a weird affectation. Like, people do yeah. have the coffee is the my lifeblood affectation. <laughs> Lord knows I had that, you know. The, yeah. But, it's you just know, these little things you grow out of, you know. Yeah. Jack went for some weird oddball stuff. He went for Bluesman, Ford Motor Company, and Tesla. Yeah. Right, right, right. All right, James. You got another one? This one comes again from Quora, from Lawrence Walting, an applied physics engineer. Mm. He asks, what's your go-to song of the White Stripes, and what makes it special for you? Oh, well, that's a nice question there. It's a less ridiculous than the Yahoo Answers one. <laughs> Do you want to go first? Sure. It's changed so much over the years. Take, Take, Take is one of my go-to songs. Yeah. I think what makes it special to me is I see myself in it in a way that I don't see myself in any other song. And I feel like Jack White's talking to me in this song and warning me not to be the toxic fan my impulses can sometimes drive me to be. Sure. And yeah. I think, And then there's, there's a level of, of aggression and cutthroat rock and roll in there on an album that's full of sadness that really makes it stand out i i don't know take 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 is is definitely one of those go-to songs for me hmm. uh, yeah well that's a, i mean you're right about that it does stand out and it's interesting you picked that one because it cuts to such a relatable thing well it's every me and you discuss this all the time i know other people in thinking persons group have mentioned this is like any famous person we meet let alone if it's jack white or not the first thing I think of is I don't want to be the take 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 person. I don't want right. to be. That's all that I needed until I need something more. You know, I want to. I want to make sure that I retain a level of reality and be like, I'm not friends with this person. Right. I don't need all of these things, and they deserve to be left alone. And you know, if they d decide that you know they want to talk to me, that's great. But otherwise, I'm not going to be an asshole. Right. I'm a Hey, what's that? 
That's a good one, James. It's a good pick. For mine, it's funny. It's a cover. It's Lord Send Me an Angel. It's oh. the first one. I'm going to say something really kind of f***ed up. I don't, these days, really listen to much White Stripes. Huh. I know. It's, it's this guy on the Jack White podcast. My Jack stuff, when I'm listening to Jack stuff, I tend to go straight to solo Dead Weather and Racks and the other stuff. Because the White Stripes stuff I just know so well. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten to be the case where those songs are so second nature that you get burnout. Yeah, I'm a, you know, and, and it's it's not that I don't like them. It's just I don't really. When we talk about go tos, that's what I mean by that. They're not like go tos as much for me as say Jack Solo or new stuff that's coming out. Or I'm very excited about Third Man Records. What Third Man Records is doing. So, but for White Stripe stuff, one that has never gone away from me, I mean, there's a few. I mean, the close second for me when we were talking about this was The Nurse. That's another one that I never get sick of. And Icky Thump is another one Mm. I don't always get sick. Like, that one I know really, really well, but that song is so compelling to me that I want to, like, keep listening to it. But something about Lord Send Me an Angel hearing Jack do that little spiel that he does in there and it's that song kind of encapsulates everything that band ever was you know it's got the bluesman side of things it's got little solos in it it's got Jack talking to Meg in it it's fun it feels fresh even though it's a cover of an ancient song and one of the earliest in the band's career and honestly it's one of my favorite things in the whole wide world to play with a group of people because, you know, you can just have fun with it. It's a fun song. And I really like playing that one with, with the folks that I play with. So anyway, that's uh, certainly my go-to, I think. Lord, send me an angel. Let me let me tweak it real quick. If you were to go with any of the Jack White iterations, and we can include Goober and the Peas and all like everything, the go, whatever, as long as it, you know he was in it. What would your go-to song be specifically if you were at a bar at, with a jukebox that had all of these things in a crowded restaurant? What would your go-to jukebox Jack White tune be? Lasretto. Ah, that's a good answer. I, uh, I yes, I like that answer. <laughs> Just, I mean, that's that's everything I want in a Jack song right there, Lazaretto. That's it. Oh boy, you've put my brain in that mode now, and Black Bat Licorice would be up there for me. That's another one. Yeah, that's another one. But 
a scalping. I think Lazaretto delivers, where Black Bat Licorice, I, I like both, but I think mm-hmm. Lazaretto delivers on a rock level where Black Bat Licorice is a little tinkery. There's something a little more disjointed about it in a bad way. Keeping in mind, yeah, that's one of my all-time favorite Jack songs. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about those two songs next to each other. For some reason, Lazaretto, that builds and builds and builds. It's such a strong instrumental. Black it's, Bat Licorice feels like it could crumble apart at any moment. It's solid, too. Lazaretto's a good answer because it cuts through a crowd. Yeah. Know, even if, no matter how loud the talking is, you yep. can still, still cut through the, that, that crowd noise with Lazaretto, and I would know because I've done it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Icky Thump, too. Like that, that's, Icky Thump would be yeah. another choice for something like that. Because that'll you know, cut through the noise too. Off off of the new Rax album, like Bored and Raised would be yeah. something like that, or Sunday Driver. The Sunday yes. Driver less so, but you know that that kind of strong guitar mm. riff to to really break in, and you can still hear it. I, I, I like that. That's good. Lazaret is a good answer. I, I'll go with that too. That was a good one, James. Uh, I have another kooky one for the Jack White fan club on Facebook. You want to hear this one? Sure. This one asks, just a thought. Do you think the equipment trucks and buses drive to South America? No, I don't. (laughs) I don't think they do. That would be a long drive. They fly there. I don't think Jack's driving through the jungles of Costa Rica (laughs) or or Colombia. Yeah. No, I don't think uh, they're not driving down there. No, they're definitely not doing that. All right. We have a question actually from friend of the show, uh, Stu Cat, or the Stu Driver, as we like to say. Or Martyr for My Love for Stu. Or or Martyr for My Love for Stu, uh, has asked us a question as well. uh, Something I thought would be a good talking point. He says, How did Jack get away with saying meg was his sister up to 2007 he said it's weird that it continued to that point did everyone just kind of accept it as a weird <laughs> joke <laughs> again that goes with the car thing for me that seems like a weird funny thing he did talked about for a long time he's a passionate guy and so tastes change and feelings change and all this stuff changes in your life and you don't feel exactly the same way you did 10 years ago to the way you did 15 and 20, etc. You know, we don't all carry around the same kind of feelings, maybe even opinions or ideas through the decades. It's a wonderful point by Stu that, yeah, in 2007, he's still saying sister. It's- At that point, though, it's I interpreted it as it's less of he's asking people to believe this which it's very apparent that he is, at least to a degree, in those really early shows yeah. and recordings. He's putting on the little kid voice and stuff. Which confused and it's... everybody. Everybody believed it. Right. Because they had no reason not to. Right. He's playing a character. Yeah. By the point of 2007, the character was gone. But the, I think the idea of thinking at that point of Meg like a sister probably felt natural. And I think the meaning, perhaps, behind him calling her his sister changed in that time. Because, you know, like saying I love you like a brother. Love Jack White like a little brother. That kind of thing, like Meg was his, 
his sister and Rock, they were long since divorced. They had not mm-hmm. been together for six or seven years at that point, and they were still bound together and in it together. You know, that's that's brother sister kind of relationship. So I think that's maybe explains it. But Stu, that's a wonderful point, and it is quite silly if you're thinking about it the way you are, which I understand why you're thinking about it in that way. It's like, yeah, he's not. A, he, people don't believe this anymore. So why are you saying it, right? It's yeah. It's an, I mean, like Paul said, he's making a character, and everybody's kind of just just going along with it, and and he's still singing about wanting a home and bull weevil at the end of his shows, and and people yes. are loving it. So I think it's just one of those things that just kind of was quintessential White Stripes. That's what the White Stripes was built on. It was built on a foundation of lies, mostly, but uh, <laughs> you know, it was it was that it helped the mystery and confusion, and even new people jumping on board might think twice even people who knew the answer might think twice yeah and i think that that was a big part of it and i think he liked the innocence of him and her being brother and sister rather than lovers i think that that kept it in more of a childlike realm in which the white stripes really was built upon sure well james what do you say we do some lightning round quick answer let's just fire a bunch off here as a little fireworks before we head to our third person for this week what do you say hell yeah let's do it all right i got one here it's from alvin thurgood from the jack white fan club which is hey producing a lot of fruitful results tonight. I'm very excited about this. It says, let's just say the Raconteurs and the White Stripes were two completely different bands. Who would be the opener? Oh, my. The Stripes? With the two? Like, they're touring together? Yeah, they're touring together. Um, I guess, I mean, if you're going by straight popularity, like, the Racks would open for the Stripes, but... Oh, man, that's a good... Actually, no, I... mm, (laughs) This is tough. The Racks would maybe do the better job because they wouldn't outshine the stripes because the stripes show was breathtaking yeah and the rack and tour show though uh, also fantastic is much more regimented and organized and less chaotic and to a degree and this isn't me saying it's not memorable but less memorable than this white stripes show you don't have jack bouncing around from thing to thing yeah 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 <laughs> Okay, well... Um, okay, uh, what is a Jack White concert like? Just give one word answer here, Paul. Lightning round. This comes from Yahoo Answers. Engaging. Exhausting. <laughs> yeah, that's a better one. That's a better one. All right, this one uh, comes from the Facebook fan club again. Uh, Giovanni Valdez asks, Am I the only one that wishes the soundcheck guys would play a song one day? I think that every time I see them. What... <laughs> I think maybe the answer is yes, but I would I would love it if they played a little song while they're tuning the instruments. That would be so fun. It would be really fun. Occasionally they do play a couple notes of a thing and then yeah, no, I I really like that. Yes, they should definitely do that. Get Lalo on stage, be the lead singer, <laughs> be their own little like after opening band but before the real band. The be great. Yeah, the, the roadies. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, uh, the rock and roadies, rock and roadies. I love it. What is Jack White's best song from any band he's been in? <laughs> well, if we're going by the metric of like, I don't know, by any metric, 
I think, I mean, best is very subjective. You probably have to say Seven Nation Army. It's the one that yeah. resonated with most people. So, All right. This one comes from Stephen Tingley on the Jack White Fan Club. Just curious. Are Jack's new sideburns a hit with the ladies? Yes or no? Ooh. Well, Paul, both of us not being ladies are authorities on this subject, so we're both yeah. going to say yes. <laughs> Got a couple answers here. Anything he does is ace, and then there's a bunch of emojis there with some fire. And then I got uh, Suck a Badass. I think she meant to say such werewolfy. Not this one. I don't know why everyone is so concerned with how he looks. It's what's inside that counts. I don't think it's VC. What's VC? Very cool. Viet Cong? Venereal cyst. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess the science is still out on whether or not those are hit with the ladies. Are rock musicians like Jack White or Ozzy Osbourne as creepy as they appear to be, or is it just for entertainment? <laughs> I think it's just for entertainment. I think it's just for entertainment. In the case of Ozzy, maybe not. I don't know. I think he's yeah. forgotten at this point. <laughs> How about this one? Jack White is an actor, or Jack White is a dancer? Ooh, oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna go with actor, actor for sure. Actor for sure. Actor. Yeah. Yeah. For no, sure. Him, him in Cold Mountain is much better than him as a dancer. I'm. I, I can't. I don't even know if I've seen him dance aside from slow dancing at the end of Great White Northern Lights. Well, he kind of dances a little bit in some of the music videos. Will Jack White eventually be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, yeah, I think the answer is yes. Once once he's eligible, yeah. Or at least the White Stripes, even if it's not him solo. Well, I got one last thing. What is the most badass thing about Jack White? I think it was the trousers. I'm going to go with the mutton chops. <laughs> All right, we've sucked the life out of this topic. James, a lovely topic. Thank you for that. We are going to go now to our third person for this week. What do you say? I say let's do it, Paul. Let's go to that third person. We'd like to welcome our third person to the show, technically only the second, because Paul's not here right now because of some extenuating circumstances. But we have Ariel Kaminsky. Extenuating yeah, he that had... makes it sound so terrible. Well, you're you're not speaking into the mic, but uh, it does sound terrible because it is. Paul is gone forever. He went to the moon. And he's on a mission from the president to collect moon rocks I think you're done. for research in <laughs> medical fields. And <laughs> right. come back from the moon now, James. Okay. I'm, I'm back from the moon. Uh, we'd like to welcome Ariel Kavitsky. How are you now that you've taken a full drink of water? My thirst is quenched. Yeah, so uh, we, we've got Ariel here on the show to discuss a concert we went to. We went to go see Third Man Act. This is kind of a, another fell in love with the show on on this segment uh, because we went to go see Pokey Lafarge. We love Pokey. We do love Pokey. He was playing at the Ardmore Music Hall in Ardmore, Pennsylvania, which is 
just kind of on the outskirts of Philadelphia. It's kind of a suburbish of Philly. And he was playing a solo matinee show. So it was just Pokey Lafarge. And it was four in the afternoon, which is weird for a concert. But it's a great time for new parents. This is true. Uh, As many of our listeners know, we just had a child. So getting this recording in is even a struggle. And going to see Pokey was way, way easier thanks to the early showtime. And grandmas. And grandmas who helped watch the baby. And thank you for holding the microphone, by the way. This is uh, this is abnormal. <laughs> I kind of like it. It's, it's Then I get to talk when I want to. It's like a closer mic stand. I kind of, it, it's nice. The show, as we said, was in Ardmore. You know, it's about an hour away from us. We were running a little late. We never run late. No, no. It was we, precisely when we meant to, uh, I think, is the, the Lord of the Rings thing. Wizards never are never late they arrive precisely when they mean to i think is what gandalf the gray says a wizard is never late nor is he early he arrives precisely when he means to i know ariel is speechless with my amazing amazing ability to remember lord of the rings quotes from the movie the lord of the Rings." the point is we eventually got to the concert <laughs> Yep. So the venue, we got a little lost walking there, but we eventually found our way there. The venue is uh, pretty small. We got our stamps to get our general admission tickets. So we had we had general admission tickets to stand there. There's a bar. It's, you know, it was a very small, small hall. But the weird thing about the hall is that most of the viewing space, most of the, the room for patrons is seating room instead of standing room. So there's like a little hallway off to the left next to the bar, kind of just basically where you would go to get your drinks at the bar was where the general admission was. And a lot of people were stacked in that little hallway. So Ariel had the bright idea of like searching the seats. I learned this in church. You always have to look for the open seats and then you can sit down. Yes. So I was under the impression that those were paid seats. I had not told Ariel that they were probably paid seats. And I just went along with her, and we found seats. Ariel always finds a place to sit anywhere, even in Nashville, Tennessee, on the curb. <laughs> uh, so we watched the opening act from from those seats. Eventually, a manager or someone who works at the Ardmore showed up at our table and you know asked us how we were doing, and we said, you know, we're doing good. And uh, he said, oh, you guys have the stamps? And we went, yeah, we have the stamps on our wrists. And he goes, oh, well, do you have a wristband? And we went, no, we don't have a wristband. Do, do we need a wristband? And he went, well, these seats are reserved uh, for people with the wristband. We, I would kindly ask you to leave unless you want to do an upgrade to sit here. We thought about it for a second uh, while he stood there. It was a long second. Um, hey, every penny counts. It's true. We were like, do we want to sit for $28? I'm hungry also. This place apparently serves food. So we decided, yes. Let's sit. The guy had walked away at this point. I guess we could have just sat there for a while more. I don't know. He, he had walked away. No, he said he was going to come back. He had said to me, let, let me know when you decide, because we were discussing the matter. Wow. We were being kicked out of that seat very friendly. Like He was a very nice man. He was a very nice man. Well, lo and behold, I found him and I said, hey, where do we upgrade? He upgraded the tickets and went back to my seat. The manager man comes back. Mr. Manager, as we like to call him. Wow, a Mr. Manager. Well, manager. We, we would just say manager. So he, uh, he came back. He gave us a free poster, which was an exclusive poster to the show, the Ardmore show. It wasn't a 
tour poster. It was specifically for the venue. Uh, so it was, it was, it's actually a really nice cardstock poster. He said, you know, he found this in the back and here you go. And I thought like, oh, maybe this was just a perk for getting the seats. And, you know, maybe everybody here had one of those posters. But no, several people after the show asked me, hey, where did you get that poster? So that's cool. Got a free poster out of it. I don't know where we're going to hang it, but... That's fair. It is a nice poster, but you have a fair point. I don't know where we're going to put it. It's probably going to stay rolled up for quite some time. Yeah, it'll probably stay with my Brendan Benson poster that I ripped off the wall when I saw him live. Sorry, guys. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, we we finished watching the opening set. He was really good. I have the opening act written here. So while he's looking to pull that up, I will talk more about the venue. Because it was mostly seats, which was interesting, but I would imagine that... For other shows, they do take out all the seats and have people stand there. But I'm not the kind of person who would look this up. But I was curious if Pokey plays a lot of his other solo shows at places like that or not. Just that it was kind of the scene where you could sit and order some food and get a drink. It was more reminiscent of Americana era stuff to me that you would be kind of eating and enjoying a cocktail while you're watching the music. But not just everybody crowded standing, but sort of having like little conversations about the music in between the music it's more intimate and i don't know does that make sense it does it fit the vibe of the solo show really well because as the solo moniker kind of says you know it was just him up there him and a guitar yeah it it had it had the vibe of i I, there's there's a scene in roger rabbit who framed roger rabbit where jessica Jessica rabbit's there and everybody's at the table and watching this kind of i don't want to say vaudeville show but it's like she's there's just a piano player and a singer and that sort of thing and it's very small acts are cycling through and uh, everybody's just kind of having a cocktail and sitting around no one was smoking obviously because this is 2019 uh the opening band by the way the opening act was jake labatz similar in act it was a solo show as well he had it was just him in a 1940s guitar playing very bluesy americana folk music i do recall him singing some lyrics about the cooling board and i was like oh he's singing death letter but it wasn't quite death letter so i didn't quite know what he was singing but it was good i enjoyed it quite a bit i don't have too much to say about him just because at that point i was kind of thinking where are we going to stand or where are we going to sit yeah and you know we were also kind of late into his set because we were running running a little late and by late we got there at what three I don't know, but we heard a couple songs of his. I liked him. I was just like not really that attentive at that point. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, after he got off the stage, Pokey set up and it was just him and the guitar. And it was kind of an odd setup because I'm so used to concerts being, you know, having a heavy drum backing and, and it just being kind of a loud, raucous show and very danceable. And, and though we did dance at this show, I know Ariel uh, dragged me on my feet a, a couple times. We, we were able to bounce around because the seats, we had, we were all the way in the back at these tables. So it wasn't like we had bad seats. We were very close still, even though we were in the back. But because we were in the back, we were able to just kind of hop around to the empty seats that were there. And we had this little bit of floor that we could dance on if we wanted to. It was all part of my plan. It was a very well laid out plan. You know, it was it was very uh, low key, very laid back, I, which I enjoyed. I, I thought it was a different kind of concert going experience. I don't know how you enjoyed it, Ariel, if you would have preferred him to have the backing band there or not i think i would have preferred it just for my first time seeing him as an act because i've seen him open for jack white's solo 
tour way back in 2012, but this is my first time seeing him specifically, just him. Uh, Ariel, do you have any, did you have a preference? Would you have rather have seen him with, with a band? Well, I wasn't invited in 2012 to come to any concerts, so. You were there on the bar crawl. And then I went home while you went to the concert, even though I was the one that lived in that city. But anyway. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. This is turning into uh, airing of the grievances. <laughs> I'm just messing. It's mostly Mike's fault, isn't it? Yeah, well, we'll, (laughs) look, we will blame Mike. Yeah, Mike, what's with that? Anyway, I actually really enjoyed the the concert. I liked the way it was solo. It kind of felt like a little date night, actually. Because I think just the whole vibe of the place, the the way it was sort of open and there was both standing and the seats and we had kind of a roomy area we could get up and dance or, you know, we got some little appetizers and some drinks, and it felt like a very relaxed environment, and I felt like it kind of went with the solo stuff. So I liked it, but I don't really have much to compare it to. Yeah, it, I think for what it, it was a different experience, and I did enjoy it quite a bit, and having the drinks there and, and having the seat there. It was definitely one of the most comfortable concert-going experiences I've ever had, because I was just sitting, enjoying a drink, while watching this guy play his music without having to peer over tall guy or, you know, fight my way through drunken teenagers. I'm not used to that. I'm very used to peering over tall guy or fighting my way through drunken teenagers. Kind of kind of dug that. Speaking of drunken teenagers, Pokey is not a teenager, but he was drinking quite a bit, uh, which I found quite hilarious. He had asked the audience, you know, I know it's not five o'clock yet. By this point, it was like 430 uh, he said, so I know it's not five o'clock yet, but would it be improper for me to take a shot of tequila? And obviously the entire crowd enabled him. And he thanked the, the audience for their enabling and took the shot of tequila, shook his head in a jittery fit, did some midair punches, and then continued on his way singing the song. I kind of feel like you're willing to just let me do whatever I want to do, so I'm just going He did also ask who he should drink to. You know, he did a cheers with everybody in the room, and he said, you know, who should we drink to? One person in particular shouted loudly to Pokey Lafarge being in Philadelphia. And he was like, well, I don't have a friend named Phil, but we'll drink to my new friend, Phil. And he then took the shot of tequila after that. So we all drank to Pokey and his new friend, Phil. And then everyone proceeded to buy Pokey drinks throughout the evening. Well... That was precipitated because somebody said take another one right after he took that shot. And he said, well, I don't have another shot of tequila on here, maybe later on. And then everybody bought him drinks. He had a table full of drinks throughout the show. People just, like the bartender just kept delivering them to the stage. But we learned something about Pokey that night. Uh, We learned he does not care for... (laughs) He's not an alcoholic. He didn't actually have that many of them. He does not like vodka. Mm. He said he doesn't think liquor should be made from potatoes. Yeah. yeah. He was very adamant. He was, somebody gave him a double vodka shot, and he was like, thank you, but I don't think liquor should be made from potatoes. It was. Yeah. Uh, he, he made a comment. I think it was something like that. He did get some whiskey shots, though, and, you know, every time he took a shot, he would get progressively a little more animated. At one point, he started fake boxing a la Rocky 
and people started shouting, you know, Rocky and Adrian to him, and you know, he kept boxing the invisible meat in front of him. He was he was in love with the with the Philly area, or at least pandering to it. And boy, howdy, was I was I okay with it? Uh, it's always nice to hear some some Philadelphia pandering. And uh, on top of that, you know, his set list was was pretty long. He played for, I think, like an hour and a half. That includes the encore. Played a lot of songs off of his album, Something in the Water, which we were listening to on the way there. All right. You got a request for this? So let's go ahead and do it for that person. other tunes off of that one He also played La La La, which is a favorite of mine. Central Time, which uh, Third Man fans will know, that's one of the songs he he did for Third Man Records was Central Time. Oh, he did Sweet. He started uh, the the thing off with Sweet Potato Blues, which was the song that Jack White actually heard on the radio around Thanksgiving time. And Jack White heard that song and went, "I want to get this guy in the studio to record with him." Uh, so that was a song that instigated that. So it was cool to hear to hear that he played a lot of new songs too that we hadn't heard that i guess he has written since yeah he he actually said um i've i've uh out of all the songs i've written i've definitely forgotten more than i actually currently know how to play so i just keep writing new ones because i can remember those it was very good his banter was was great he's very very good at the stage banter uh, talking to the audience quite a bit you know asking for not really asking for audience participation, but the audience was willing uh, and ready to participate. So singing lyrics and that stuff. 
And when the audience wasn't good at participating, he kind of got a kick out of it, though, to, to like when he would have everybody respond with the words and they didn't know them. He would just kind of shake his head and continue the song. He was a good sport about about not everyone knowing every lyric, but a lot of people did know a lot of the lyrics. And it was entertaining to him, I think, when the crowd did, because, you know, he would pull away from the mic for a second and the crowd would you know say the word but you gotta understand it's not the kind of a venue where there was a huge crowd there was a small kind of space that hallway james spoke of the main hall you walk through that there were some people standing and that was considered the standing room and then there were like bar type tables cocktail tables that you might have to seated at so it wasn't a huge crowd of people. Any one person in the room could speak loudly and everybody could hear you. So when he would ask something, anyone in the whole venue could could speak loudly and you could hear that person. It was kind of intimate. And actually, one thing I forgot to mention about the venue itself and that kind of space spatial structure is the bathrooms were actually located behind the stage. So... You have to walk right past the stage. Oh, you're just walking next to the guy. So there's there's nobody there next to the side stage. So I just went up with, with Ariel's camera and, and took a couple pictures. You know, I got some really good shots because I was, I was basically able to just stand next to Pokey while he's playing and take some photos, which I thought was an interesting, you know, I'm, I'm back there peeing. I'm like, well, Pokey's right behind me playing. That's kind of weird. <laughs> It was funny. James asked me where the bathroom was because, of course, I had already been to the bathroom. So I said, oh, right straight back behind the stage. He goes, are you sure? Behind the stage? That's where the bathrooms are? I'm like, yes, I'm sure. I just went to the bathroom. That's where the bathrooms are. See, I thought Ariel had just wandered into the backstage and found her way into, uh, you know, the artist's bathroom. And Because, you know, you have your way about yourself. Like, you're just like... That is something I would do. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, I'm going to find a bathroom and it's going to be a good one. And you know what? That's the one I found. People just let me in because I'm likable and lovable. And I thought that was the case, but no, it, it turns out that they are, they are in fact behind the stage. You were correct. You know, it was a packed house, but it was a small, you know, small house. So very what you would expect the crowd to be. There was a dude in overalls with like a, a jaunty cap and a red handkerchief. He looked like a train conductor. I later met him. I think he said his name was Bob or Bert. I don't remember exactly. If you're listening to this, please forgive me. Super nice gentleman. Yeah. It was, was his name Bill? It may have been Bill. It started with a B. That's most of what I caught. He was waiting at the end with me. He was one of, well, obviously, me and you, Ariel, both of us, and him and his friends were waiting to get, you know, to meet Pokey and, and get stuff signed. And so the merch table hadn't left. So we were really kind of hoping Pokey would show up and poke his face out and we were since we were the only ones there we were like well this would be great i had my poster that i got from the show uh this guy had a a tour poster we were waiting there and talking a bit and you know as it turns out pokey had left the building pretty much right after the show he bounced uh so we did not get to do a meet and greet kind of bummed about that i would have loved to have met him again i mean granted we met him in nashville he we should send him a picture of the baby. I mean, we could very well send him a picture of the baby. I don't know how. We don't have his address. <laughs> well, he has to get fan mail. Like, we should send something and tell him we saw him 
And, you know, the baby's great because he was very concerned about the baby. And he touched my belly and he said, God bless this baby. And so I think he should know that we have a pretty awesome baby. I mean, we could try. Uh, we could try it Santa Claus style where we just write pokey on the envelope <laughs> and see what the post office does. <laughs> and then, you know, we'll get the winter warlock involved. I mean, there's got to be a place to send fan mail. Yeah, well, I'm sure we could, like I said, just a signed envelope addressed to Pokey. It'll be, it'll get there. It'll get there in time. <laughs> Don't worry about it. So that was the show. Then we, we went and we got dinner and came back home. And I, I have a question. Yeah. Because one of the things I noticed at the show, I, I was listening to a lot of his songs because a lot of them were new songs I hadn't heard before. And I heard some of the other songs from the album we were listening to on the way. But he has a theme to a lot of his songs, it seems. And there's a lot of love songs and, and songs about a girl. Does, does Pokey have a girl? Not as far as I know. I don't think he does, but I, I mean, I could be wrong. I get, it's none of my business. It doesn't matter. It was just uh, interesting. He has a, a lot of songs around that kind of theme. But it, it works. It's, they're lovely songs. I just... I, I wonder what inspires them. A lot of them are heartbreak-based, it seems. I think a lot of that comes from, and this is me speculating, so take this with a massive grain of salt, a big, huge Himalayan salt lamp, if you will. Big, speculative piece of Himalayan salt. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do think he's pulling on traditions of old traveling singers and bluesmen and, and that sort of troubadourism of singing about love and ladies and, you know, heartbreak and that sort of thing. I think he's pulling from a little bit from the past. I think he's also probably th singing a little bit about, you know, life experiences. I mean, he definitely, he wrote a song that he kind of debuted at this thing for his new album, which he said he had already finished his new album, which uh, is awaiting the release of his first new album. So he's got a new album coming out and he's already written enough songs for a second new album. But it was about drinking alone in a, a apartment or whatever, thinking about, you know, past loves or, his, you know, past ladies. Uh, I think it was Drink About You. So he's saying, like, there's a lot to drink about when I drink about you. There's got to be some heartbreak in there. There's got to be something he's pulling from actual experiences. But I think he's also pulling from the musical tradition of it as well. Because it, it, it's a deep... It's a deep well you can mine for a lot of material. Does that, does that kind of answer your question? Or does that just make you distrust me and my bullshit answers? Well, it's just speculation. It's just conversation. I mean, I didn't expect a real answer. I mean... That's what you come here for, folks. 
not real answers. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show again, Ariel. I was going to say, do you have anything you want to plug? I guess our baby exists. He's awesome. He's great. And yeah, thank you so much for coming to the show with me. And and, uh, hopefully we'll get to see Pokey again in the near future. Hopefully touring with his new two new albums that he's got on the horizon. And yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. Bye, guys. Back to the show. Well, James, we've had some fun here today. You know, we've talked about some some stuff. Talked about a lot of things. A lot of stuff. Yeah, no, this was a dumpster fire of an episode, but I thought I had some good discussion, I thought. Yeah. You know, me and you, uh, we, it was nice talking about the White Stripes just in a low-key kind of environment. I'm interested to see, to hear what you're going to do with this one. I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, it's nice not to get bogged down in research and and specifics sometimes you know so i'm glad that you know sometimes we could just have a discussion based one every every now and then to spice it up for these folks yeah all the people in the world spice up your life uh, if you want to be my podcast you've got to get with my <laughs> pals oh if you want to get with our pals you can do that james through many different avenues on our social media pages. That was a nice transition. You can head to facebook.com slash thirdmen. You can also head to Twitter at thirdmencast. Pop on over to Tumblr, thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You can visit our website, thethirdmen.wordpress.com. You can send us an email, thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com, and find us on Pippa. They host our show. Find us on YouTube where James does some awesome animations and some cool visualizers. And then, of course, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe I guess I was going to say on iTunes, I don't think that exists anymore. So just Apple Podcasts. So just do that. Yes. And if you'd really like to support us and get a get a shout out on the show, like the people we're about to shout out, you can help us out on Patreon because podcasting is weirdly expensive. And a lot of you have stepped up and have, have become patrons and it has been extremely, extremely helpful. So thank you to those folks. We've got patrons such as Brenda Englehart. I want to be the boy to warm your your Englehart. We've got Brett Garski, the Brett 3 killed my Garski. Thank you so much. We've got Joe shaking all over or Josh Aiken. Thank you so much, Josh. Kate McCoy, the bones of the operation. We've got Luke Sinclair. Luke me over closely. We've got Stuart Peskin, do cat on Twitter who asked one of the questions in this episode or as we like to call him the stew driver or our martyr for our love for stew thank you so much Stuart we've got Tam Davis a third person in spirit every week and finally we've got Yvette Wilkins Wilkin on Sunshine thank you all so much if you'd like to be one of those shoutouts please support us on Patreon if you can if you can't totally understand this show's going to be free as, as long as we can make it and if you want to support us in other ways you can write a review on itunes if you write a review with a pitch idea for an episode of our weird show based around a teenage dean fertita that we've called teen fertita in an (laughs) itunes review and then send us a, a, a screenshot of that review with five stars of course then i will draw and send you a signed picture of teen fertita which is a teenage Dean Fertitta. Can't stress that enough. Yeah, no, it'll it'll be coming to your door 
Uh, we already have uh, a taker in that. Uh, Nick Langford, Lang You Up from the Heavens. Thank you so much. You're getting yourself a wonderful picture of Teen Fertitta in the desert with a, a, a la Indiana Jones Chronicles in which you, you, you have given us quite quite the story. So thank you, Nick. I've seen Nick it. Langford. It looks great. So th- thank you. Everybody send in your Teen Fertitta ideas, but make sure you do it with five stars when you rate the podcast. Thanks to everybody who's done that. We'd also like to thank Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song, We're the Third Men, as well as Susanna Rountree the lovely intros and outros of our program and james until next week we're gonna have a special one next week so everybody mark your calendars two weeks we're gonna be back here with another really cool interview episode with someone who's who's very close to the third man world and so we're very excited about that and until then james i'll be looking for a home in the on reddit i guess and boy there are bullies on there and i don't care for it much at all oh geez and i'll be looking for a home under a bridge with the question asker (laughs) it is i the question Question asker, where are you looking for a home? Goodbye. <laughs> All right. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search the third men on Facebook. See you next time. We can't lose all this gold. Well, now you've all been asked foolish questions, and I think that... Well, I don't know if we're in the same bit anymore, so should I ask you a question? <laughs> you seem to hate it. I, I'm offended, but saying it's a little dark it against you anyway. One plus two plus three minus three. Yes! And the next question he's Just be a troll or something. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that your official title? Yes. I don't say anything that has any kind of other meaning than the question asked. It's just straight questions. I I you're not what I was expecting from the police report, but I am going to have to you know. Don't tell me you, you called the police. I'll kill you. Uh, what? Where are you? Talk two hours about well, question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess it's on me. Uh, I, I'm wondering, what is this bit? I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know. There's no bit. I'm just a question asker. A humble question asker whom you've stumbled upon. <laughs> so was that were you a villain? I don't really know. It certainly seemed to evolve into that way. Hi, Ellie. I didn't. Yeah, it's short gift. Uh, anyway, Wolfie's what he would say because he's a dog man. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been drinking, I swear. He's a dog man. Uh, yeah, no, he's true. a dog man. Um, sure, you didn't watch a gathering of the juggalos. <laughs>
This is a sloppy episode. It's gonna be sloppy. Damn, general, piece of cauliflower pizza here. Am I not? Can we? Is this? Oh, it's not like breathing. And you open up the door. Breathy, breathy. Easy, breathy, beautiful cover girl. Yeah, I really, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna really, really, really wanna zig a zig. Um, the dog wants to go to sleep in her bed. Should I put her up? Honey, you wanna go to bed? I was kinda in a hurry. We do. Is it bedtime? It's bedtime. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Ariel uh, took the mic back from me because I'm doing a bad job. Uh, he came back. You're doing a great job. It's just I don't get to talk when I want to unless I have the microphone. Let's go back to our song. Hey everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not-for-profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100-plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process, and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like, chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on. It can be as much or as little as you can swing, and all donations are greatly appreciated. The last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash, so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough. But if you would like to help us out, that would be amazing. All right, that's all from me. Remember, you can head to patreon.com slash thirdmenpodcast, and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already. All right, everybody, I'll see you on the show.